Um, hello, everyone. My name is Tony S. I'm a grateful uh, recovered compulsive overeater, and um, and I have uh, released uh, 150 pounds. Um, and so, uh, and I've been kept, I've kept it off for the past four years. Um, so I, that's where I start at. I've had a problem with food from the time that I was about five years old. That's the first time I remember that, um, I, I, I seem to like to eat more than other people. And I seem to feel like other people were watching me when I ate or, 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 Fearful people, you know, putting, you know, stopping me from eating. Um, and so, uh, but I didn't label that as being, I didn't know about the term of compulsive overeating. I I previously, um, as when I became an adult, I heard about OA, but, um, and I even, I'd even stopped into a meeting a few times, but I don't, I don't think I thought it was for me. So I still never fully grasped that I was a compulsive overeater. Um, and uh, so kind of going back, I'll digress a little bit. Um, so going back, you know, like I said, as a child, I, um, I, I, I got the impression from my mom. I don't want to, you know, don't want this to be a bash the mom thing. But, you know, but she, she had weight problems uh and earlier in her life and so and she felt that losing weight kind of made things better for her and so she kind of communicated that to my sister too who had been overweight and she lost the weight and kept it off and and has really not had much of a weight problem um for the rest of her life and she's now in her middle 70s and so um i think she thought that that you know making that 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 communicating that message to me would work as it did with her and work with my sister it didn't work and so because i was not i was a compulsive overeater but i didn't know that then and i just know that i developed um being what i call a sneaky eater um and uh i would couldn't wait until you know my parents left the house so i could get something to eat um, or sneaking downstairs and eating once they went to bed. Um, and so, you know, so, but still I didn't understand exactly what was wrong. To me, it was my normal. I, I, I knew it wasn't quite other people's normal, but I knew it, that just was work for me. I guess it, it soothed me. I didn't learn about, um, you know, that, that I was eating to soothe me. I was eating uh, to, um, you know, uh, to soothe me when I was irritable and discontented. I didn't understand that at that time. And so um, when I was about 13, um, I had heard about some of my some of my friends who were like a year ahead of me in school and they were going off to high school. And I was getting a lot of pressure from particularly my mom that, you know, if you go off to high school and you are overweight, you're not going to have a boyfriend. You're not going to make friends. And we were going from like a small theater school that was feeding into a big high school. So I knew I was going to be making new friends. It was my small little elementary school and feeding off to this huge high school. And so and I certainly did want to make friends and I wanted to have a boyfriend. So I um, had heard about them going to a, a, a weight loss doctor. 
And so this is back in the middle 1970s. Uh, and so uh, specific, specifically like 1974. And so uh, I went to this weight loss doctor and I got a little package of diet pills. And then when I look back on it, I just cringe at the thought my 13-year-old going to the doctor's, getting a little package of diet pills, and I would go to the doctor's every week and get weighed and give me a sheet of paper and tell me to follow this meal plan. And I followed it to the letter, and I did lose the weight. And I went off to high school, and I was what you would call a normal weight. I did make friends, did have a boyfriend, and all the things that, you know, my mom promised would happen if I got the weight off. And I was what I thought was happy, you know. And then I went on, went on to college, and I kept the weight off. And when I got out of college, as I was getting out of college, I was engaged. And the gentleman I was engaged to, I learned um, as I was getting out of college that he was a big liar. And that, and so I broke off. I broke off the engagement. And so I came home as a college that say licking my wounds and the word licking and in a sense of eating, you know, that was that was what I did. I just ate and ate and ate and ate, just ate my feelings and I just kinda like piled on like a lot of weight in a really short period of time. And I just kinda stayed that way for many, many years. Um, telling myself, Oh, it's just better to stay overweight. If you stay overweight, you know, it's just better. Why try to lose? You're not going to be successful. You're happy that way. It's good. You're comfortable. And I just told myself that. And for a long time, I think I believed it. Um, I later met my husband, and, uh, you know, he loved me as I was, and I was happy. I, um, you know, got pregnant one time, lost that baby, but then I did get pregnant again, and that's the daughter that, that, I, that I do have, and she's now an adult. Um and uh, uh, but I had several other pregnancy losses, and with the pregnancy losses, I I I know I fell into a bit of a depression, and but I was just trying to continue to function, and so I just kind of tried to downplay it. I just I felt like I didn't really have the right to feel, um, you know, to slip into a depression because I was blessed to have a child. I knew plenty of people who weren't blessed to have any children at all and wanted them desperately. And so I was like, oh, you can't, don't, don't even give into, don't even give into feeling, uh, um, you know, um, depressed because you at least have one daughter. So just, just suck it up and keep on going. And so in that sucking up, that was another way of just kind of like stuffing my feelings, stuffing my feelings. And as I stuffed my feelings, I then ate more. Well, I developed type 2 diabetes, I developed vascular disease, and I uh, was starting to have trouble walking, and I had a uh, friend of mine who passed away, actually not one friend, but two friends who passed away from complications with diabetes that also involved amputation. And and when I was talking to the, one of the friends before he died, he said to me, if I had done something 10 years ago about this situation, I wouldn't be where I am. And he died not long after that. And so I started thinking, I want to live. I want to live. And, and this is no way to live. I was miserable. There was no way to live. And so at that point, because I, I didn't know any other way, I decided to have weight loss surgery. And so what I'm going to say about that is that for me, that was the best choice 
because I, 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 my health was so poor and I really needed to get the weight off quickly. And so, and playing around with it back and forth was never going to work for me in the, in the, in the uh, state of poor health that I was. So I got the weight off. And so I thought that was the answer. Now that you know that's human aid. And so after about two years, I thought the food came back and I was horrified. I said, wait a minute, I've gone through all of this. I've had the weight loss surgery. I've done everything. I went to the supercups. I did all this. I followed the meal plans. I did all that. What are you telling me that I am still struggling with the food? What is going on? I am supposed to be fixed. And so I started, I, I knew someone that was in OA, and I had a conversation with the person. And they and I listened to what they had, and I wanted that too. And so in listening to them, I realized that, okay, the human aid had helped me get that weight off, but it certainly wasn't going to keep it off. And if I didn't do something about it, it was all going to come right back on, and I was going to be back in a state of poor health as I was before, or maybe not even alive. And so I got on a meeting and I started talking to people and I said, I want what that, I listened to someone who said they would be my sponsor. And I said, I want what she has and I want to do whatever it is. I would just, just tell me what to do, whatever it is. And, and so I started off, but I do big book study. And so I started off, you know, will she get a big book, start coming to meetings, reading, and that's what I did and starting, you know, get a, get a healthy meal plan for yourself, um, something that is, is healthy and good that you can follow, um, you know, with normal portions and such as that. And I was already working with a nutritionist, nutritionist through my bariatric practice. And so that's what I did. And um, and I started, as I said, as I started to uh, to work, you know, work my program, I started to have a joy and a peace that I hadn't had not had before. And I wasn't thinking about food all the time. I wasn't, when I was upset about something, I realized before my go-to thought was, what can I get to soothe me? And, but that never was going to soothe me. That was a lie that I was telling myself. I was never going to be soothed by anything that I ate. And so I began to, to learn that, um, if I, you know, turn to my program, turn to my fellowship, the fellowship of, of, of people in program, uh, reading the literature, actually putting in the work, doing the outreach, um, being of service to other people, those were the things that would soothe me and fill me in a way that food never, ever could. And so, and so that's how I began to live in recovery. And so... I know now that what I have to do is put the work in, put the work in each day for the promises that, that are, uh, you know, that I've learned in a program, for the promises, you know, that I can have recovery. And so I, um, it, it's just a, such a joyful way of living now. I'm, I'm like, I'm not miserable all the time. I'm not, and when I'm, and but but I want to clarify this to anyone that's listening. Oh no, don't don't think life is hunky dory all the time because if you're living, you're still going to have problems. But when I have problems, I have tools now, and I also have a sponsor that I can 
can reach out to. I have other people in fellowship. I feel like I have like an imaginary toolbox that I have with me all the time. And so I don't feel like I'm alone. I never feel like I'm alone because I always know that I can read my literature, as I said. I can do outreach. I can do service. And I can share share my recovery just like I'm, I'm doing today as, as a speaker and sharing about, like, the beauty of a program. And um, and there there are times where, yes, the food the food is calling. I would love to say that there's, like, a permanent fixed state in which, yeah, sometimes the food starts calling to me. But then I have – but then what I say to myself, uh, when that happens, is that serving me? You know, what is that really serving me? And then I pause and I stop and I start to pray. And then I say, no, that food isn't serving me. It's not serving me at all. That food is, is really, is, is that, that obsession is, is lying to me and, and trying to pull me down a dark pathway that I don't need to go. And so I pause, I stop, I start to pray, and I start praying for the next right direction. And when I do that, a calmness comes about me. And then I'm able to say, okay, so now what's the next best thing for me to do? You know, again, and, and I start to, to rely on rely on service and outreach. And those are the things that I, I do each day. Now, there are some times, yes, I've eaten, I've eaten compulsively. I would love to say that that didn't happen, but yes, I have. And when I've done that, then I said to myself, okay, what was going on right before I did that? And so I start praying and really meditating. And praying, and I want to say this, praying is not necessarily all about religion or what your faith is. So a prayer could be a prayer you say in your faith, yes, or it could be just quiet time of meditation you know, where you're trying to be in touch with your higher power of, of your higher power of your understanding, you know, you, your quiet time where you're being in touch and you're, you know, you're asking for direction from your higher power. And so, but for me, it's prayer. And so I start to pray and say, you know, like, um, what is it? What was going on? Okay. Now, you know, and, and then I say to myself, okay, um, yes, that happened. Okay, so now what are we going to do about it? How are we going to turn this around? And again, I'm going to look at look at look at my program, you know, look at what I'm meeting, look at, um, you know, get my service, look at all these things. And when I do those things, a calmness comes about myself. It's almost like a reset. A calmness comes about myself. And then then I then I say to myself, okay, now I know what I now I know what I need to do. Now, sometimes it means I need to make an amend. Sometimes something could happen. Maybe I haven't treated someone well, um, and I've, I've done something I shouldn't have done. So there's a lot of times things that are coming in our life, and we may want to think that we're the victim. I know I used to play that role all the time. I used to play the role of the victim, like, oh, woe is me. Someone treated me mean. Someone did this to me, you know, and, um, I, and that served me well for a long time. <laughs> Because then I could, I could get other people to fight my battles for me. But when I learned that I was just as guilty as anybody else, it was not sweet, nice to me. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't this sweetie, sweetie pie person all the time that I wanted to pretend that I was. 
And so when I was able to be honest, because that's another very important part of the program, it's being honest. It learned to be honest. When I was able to be honest with myself and realize my character defects, then I was able to do some work and begin to work on them. And when I began to work on them and, and I was honest to see them, because a lot of times I couldn't see it. I didn't want to see it. But when I was able to see it, then I was like, oh, okay. Now I see the part that I played in that situation. Now I see what I did to contribute to that situation. And so when I was able to begin to see that, then I was able to work on those character defects. And I was able to have a willingness to make some changes. And some of that is, is revealing the steps, making amends. And that was hard and that was difficult. It was extremely hard. I remember sometime, the first time I had to make an amends, I, I felt like as if they're quaking in your boots. I was, you know, shaking in my boots, like, how can I do this? But I just prayed and I asked higher power for direction and to help, help me to have courage. And when I was able to do that, oh, my goodness, I, I had a situation where I needed to make amends to a family member. And I kept wanting to tell myself the lie. Oh, it's okay. It really wasn't that bad. But when I did it, the person was so grateful that I did, and they shared some things that maybe they could have done better, and our relationship improved like tenfold. I now used to have just very casual conversations with the person. And even when we would talk, I would feel a little sad because I just didn't know how to make the situation better. But when I was willing to own up to what I, my part in the situation and to tell the person how sorry I was, then our conversations are now honest conversations, honest, loving conversations. We talk regularly. We laugh and joke. We tell each other how much we love each other. And that didn't happen for a very long time. And, oh, my goodness, I'm so grateful to program because I was able to have honest and loving relationships with people that I, I hadn't had that with in a long time. So program just not only did it help me with the food, it helped me with my relationships, with my friends, and also my work situation. In my work situation, I would always try to say, I thought I was right. I, I, I was a very competent employee, I will say that. And so being competent, I felt like the way I want to do it is the right way. And when my boss would say, comment, well, maybe you could do this differently, I would have, I would have an attitude. I mean, I didn't, I didn't say it to him, like, outright, you know. But I would say, okay. I would play this passive-aggressive role. And I would say, okay. But then I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do what he asked me to do. I was, I was determined to do it the way I thought was best. But then when he questioned me about what I had done, I would play the role of the victim. And I would tell anyone who would listen, oh, he's mean to me. Did you hear what he said to me? He questioned me about how I did something. Like I was above being questioned about something. Or, or you know, maybe you could have done that a little differently. Oh, I don't want to hear that because I thought I was right. And so when I started sharing that with my sponsor, 
my sponsor called me on that type of behavior and said, wait a minute, you're the employee. He's the boss. You need to be open to the direction that your boss is giving you. Now, if your boss ends up being wrong, then they're going to be the ones to respond. But you can say, hey, I have a suggestion. But if at the bottom line, this is how your boss tells you how to do it, that's what you need to do. Not sit back and just continually say, this is my way and the right way. And once I learned to be able to do that, then a peaceness came over me. I, I used to go to work crying all the time because I just couldn't understand how to make things work. I couldn't understand how to have peace at work. But I found out that I was the one. But here I am thinking I was so sweet and so nice. I was the one that was causing some of the problems because I thought I had to be right. And so when I learned that I'm not in charge, I'm not the one who's in charge. My boss is in charge. That's the job he has. I have my job. I'm supposed to do my part, and that's what I'm supposed to do. And when I began to do that, a peaceness came over me. My relationship with my boss improved. And I retired last year. And when I retired, my boss threw me a wonderful party and said the most wonderful things about me, things that I thought would never come out of his mouth, never. I never thought that we would end on good terms because our relationship was so tumultuous. I never thought that would happen. But I believe it happened because of my willingness to change, of my willingness to look at my character defects, of my willingness to be open to what, and it's open to direction from other people. And all of that came because of the program. The program changed my life in ways that is just, it's hard, it's hard to even say. It's, it's, it's hard to even to put into words. I'm struggling for the words right now, but it's hard. But it just it has gave me such a peace, a peace that I never imagined that I would have. And, and I'm not thinking about the food all the time. And again, when it does happen, I have tools. I have tools to help me to um, not focus on food and not live in, I, don't, I, I live in a solution, not, not, in, not in the food, I'll put it that way. Uh, I don't know how much more time I have left. It seems like I may have gone over. Uh, do I have much more time left? I didn't hear if Marcy gave the five minute. Um, I think I probably it looks like looks like it's going over, but yeah, uh, sorry about that. Oh, oh, okay, um, okay. So in any event, um, I again, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity for service, and again, so grateful uh, for the opportunity to um, fellowship. And um, again, as I said, it's. Um, you know, the principles of program and fellowship and the tools have saved my life in in um in every way, every way. And um and you know, showing up and being willing is how I how I live in recovery. Uh so um so again my name is Tony S and I live in Eastern Standard Time and I'll leave my number uh two one five two three nine eight six and thank you so much for allowing me to be of service.